Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Christmas Day, 1914. Historians will know where I'm leading you into right now, but Christmas Day, 1914, Western Front in Europe. There's this story of an armistice. It's called the Christmas Armistice or the Christmas Ceasefire. And what happened on Christmas Day in 1914 on the Western Front in Europe was that German soldiers and Allied soldiers standing, sitting, lying in their muddy trenches, stopped fighting for one day. They sang carols, and the story goes that the the Germans started first, apparently. They're apparently a bit more spiritual than the Allied forces. That's totally cool. Martin Luther was from there. Um, Am I centred? Here we go. And the story goes that... When, when the carols started, there was this realisation that we could actually have peace for a moment. And so they called out over no man's land, over the dead bodies, over the blood, over the, the shells of ammunition. And they said, cease fire. And so for one day, they all came out of their trenches. They helped each other bury the dead. And they sang carols and rebuilt trenches for one day. There was peace across the Western Front of Europe. And then the war continued. But there was this belief that the war that year in 1914 would be done by Christmas and all these young blokes who took up arms would be heading home and having Christmas with their families, but they didn't get that. But what they did get was this beautiful moment of peace. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualise that, but for, for one day, there was this beautiful moment of peace. And so Christmas is this amazing time whereby we believe for best and we believe for better and we believe for good. And, you know, we bring glad tidings and we, we wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And it's this beautiful season where we have hope for better. And, and we believe that the world can be better. And it's a beautiful centering for particularly Christians whereby we can actually bring God into the season amongst all the busyness and amongst all the things to do, the Christmas parties to be at and the, the dinners to be at and the events to organise and, the, and just the, the general stuff that we have to do to make Christmas special for everyone, we get this, we get this beautiful season of Advent whereby we can, we can look towards December 25th, the day marked out as Jesus' birthday, and we get to just point our gaze and to point our concentration and our spirits toward heaven. But in the movies, there's, there's often this cliched thing about um, people wanting something for Christmas and someone might be asking another movie character, what do you want for Christmas? And they'll say, oh, I just want peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind, which is a lovely thing. But what does that mean? What does peace on earth actually mean? And I don't know that the world knows that. But does it just mean that the wars stop? 
is that peace? Is that the peace that we're talking about? Or does it mean uh, something a bit more deeper, a bit more personal, whereby any conflict that we have with someone else or, or conflict within ourselves, does that mean that we, we get released from that? Is that what peace is about? Well, I'm going to teach some Bible this morning. Are you guys okay with that? We're going to go on a bit of a journey. So the Bible is a journey. It's a historical narrative, and we learn about God as we start from the front, and then we go towards the back. We learn about the story of God. We're not going to read the whole Bible this morning. Relax, that's fine. Although, you know, it's pretty cool in here, hot out there. So maybe I might have you for a few, a few hours. No, we're going to go off, but the time is not on. So if um, that's cool, all right, I'm here for a good time and a long time. Um, but it's not a bad thing. But the Bible incrementally teaches about peace and it takes on different formats depending on the people of the time. So the Hebrews in Egypt, they leave Egypt out of slavery and they believe that the idea of peace is that they'll be taken into the promised land and in the promised land they'll be protected from their enemies. And then they get there and they realise that that's not peace. And so uh, centuries go by and then they come, you get to the part of your Bible, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and it, ta- and it talks about the Israelites ta- um, wishing for a king and a kingdom to rule over their land so that they can have peace. And so the kings and the kingdoms rise and fall. We have David and we, ha- we have Saul and then we have David and then we have Solomon and then we have um, mostly bad kings and then the Israelites realise that that's not the answer to the peace that they're looking for and then the prophets come along and Isaiah one of the most notable prophets writes this in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7 he foretells the coming of Jesus and this is what people are hoping for for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Prince of Peace. Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 2,000 years ago. He is the Prince of Peace. And for all those centuries where the Israelites were yearning for that Messiah, that king and a kingdom, that release, of that, that safety from their enemies and the release into promised land, this desire for them to be made right with God by following the law of Moses, the 613 commandments that we read about in the Old Testament, that's all about becoming right with God, getting closer to God, achieving eternal life and I use the word achieving properly there they have to strive for it according to their beliefs but then the prince of peace comes down as God in human flesh lives for 33 years dies on a cross rises again three days later comes to life and is now seated on the throne in heaven the king over the kingdom the prince of peace friends this is the peace that we're looking for, that we're yearning for, that history needs and history hoped for. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is exactly who we need. What is peace? What can we learn from the Bible here? 
If we're going to properly understand peace, we need to properly understand Jesus, his role in history and his position in heaven and for eternity. Now, I would say that our culture doesn't understand peace. And as I was pulling this message together, I was realising the components of peace that I had learned about, that God had revealed to me, but, I, but I'd never pulled it together in a whole picture of what peace is. And I'm going to successfully, without a doubt, do that for you this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll set the bar high. And if we fall, um, I'm saved by grace. But I'll tell you what, peace isn't sitting cross-legged on a yoga mat. No, the word will tell you that that's peace. Just sit down, concentrate on your breathing, cross your legs. Don't worry about your tight hamstrings and you'll achieve peace. No, it's not that. Peace isn't having a fully clean and ordered garden shed. Sorry, fellas, it's not that. Peace isn't about... (laughs) Peace isn't about... We've got a guy with a messy shed over here. Peace isn't about finishing the to-do list, ticking it off. What's that feeling like? I don't know. Maybe it is about it. I don't know. I've never been at the bottom of my to-do list. We've got a few amens there. Peace is not looking over your freshly cut lawn with a nice cold drink of water. (laughs) Oh, take me there. How good's that? Mm -mm. Water. Hops and yeast. Barley. (laughs) There's this old hymn. It is well with my soul. Yeah. And if you've ever spent two Sundays in church, you've probably heard it. Not in our church. We We don't sing it. We should. It's a great hymn. Here's how it goes. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Oh, like just singing that just makes your soul just feel good. Here's what peace is. One of the components of peace, the pieces of peace, P-I-E-C-E-S, pieces of peace. Here's what it is. It's the recentering or aligning of the soul. No matter what's going on, it's the recentering of the soul, where every everything in us and of us just feels right. That's what peace can be like. And so, when when we try and work out what the the meaning of a word is, when we read the Bible and we try and work it out, what we do in church, if you're not familiar with this, is that we go back to the language that the Bible was originally written in. And that was not Aussie English, that was Greek. And so we're going to look at the Greek, and then that's part of the New Testament, right? Towards the back, if you're not familiar with the Bible. But the front end of the Bible was written in Hebrew. And I'm going to give you the definition of both Greek and Hebrew right now. Here's what the Greeks translated as. The word for peace is Arene. Arene. And it means tranquility. Oh, isn't that a great word? Oh, tranquility. Unity. That's good. Every kind of blessing. Every kind of blessing. Unlimited blessing. And the fourth, D, and all of the above, salutation expressive of good wishes. 
No Aussie has the word salutation in their vernacular. <laughs> and not many Aussies use the word vernacular. <laughs> salutation, a greeting expressive of good wishes. And the Hebrews use this word, and it is shalom. Oh, sorry, I missed a bit here. That a part of the definition of peace also means order. And one biblical commentator puts it this way. He says, it is separate from all confusion and disorder. Not above, not without, it's separate. Separate from confusion and disorder. It is an understanding that all is well. That's peace. That's peace. And the Hebrews have this beautiful word called shalom. And it's a word that we use across uh, generations and across cultures. And it is this is beautiful word. And the Hebrews use that word to talk about wholeness, completion, and perfection. And so it's customary for them to greet each other and say shalom. And they that what they're doing in faith is actually projecting wholeness, completion, or perfection onto you. It's like a wish. It's like, I wish these guys shalom. I wish you wholeness. I wish completion. I wish perfection on you. I I speak that as a blessing. And it's just this beautiful thing that humanity gets to do in the name of God. And so the value of perfect peace is so important to Israel. And we see that as they greet people with shalom. And all through the Old Testament, you can see that the Israelites were, were striving towards this peace, this godly peace. And, and they paint this beautiful picture in Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2 says this, coming from verse 2. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. Just picture like a mountain range with a temple there, the presence of God there. Just that picture alone is enough to make you settled in your spirit. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle the disputes between many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, meaning there will be no more war. Wouldn't they love that in their nation right now? Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. How nice is that? Walking in the light of the Lord. There's another component of the definition of peace. Walking in the light of the Lord. Doesn't mean that it's going to be easy doesn't mean there's going to be no problems. No, but when we're walking in the light of the Lord with Jesus, then it's all good. It is all good. And so Jesus comes and he came 2,000 years ago and he's one of the final pieces of the puzzle before we get to this vision of of what the, the Israelites pointed towards in Isaiah 2. And we get this beautiful picture of what it is in Luke chapter 2. And that'll be on the screen behind me. And it's a classic Christmas passage. 
Luke chapter 2, 8 to 15 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Whoa, how good's that? But they were terrified. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven and they were praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased and when the angels had returned to heaven the shepherds said to each other we better go to Bethlehem and so you had this beautiful moment of this heaven opening up we sung before all the saints and angels bow before the throne and we join them and so we we get this moment in scripture whereby the shepherds are in a field and they hear about this messiah the one that their tradition has talked about prophesied about for hundreds of years and the angels say it's him that's him he's the wonderful counselor he's the almighty god he's the everlasting father he is the prince of peace And he's a baby lying in a feeding trough. And what about that moment when you're a shepherd? You're standing in a field, heaven opens up, the armies of heaven come down, angels, and they say, don't be afraid. You're like, all right. (laughs) And then they had this beautiful moment whereby they join with heaven and then the sky just closes up again and the world goes back to normal and then there's something 100% remarkable and then as soon as heaven closes off in that moment, it goes back to unremarkable and the world's the same. And they're like, hang on, the Messiah, he's a baby in a feeding trough? What? What? Isn't he coming on clouds of fire and he's going to wipe out all our enemies? But no, the Roman Empire is still in control. It's a hard time. King Herod's chasing, chasing babies to kill them. It's an awful time in history. But Jesus comes and he's born. And so here's the big idea. That Jesus, that little baby, is the Prince of Peace. And the angels come down and proclaim that. And then he, he, he grows as a human and he had to grow as a human because he had to show us that we are, are linked to heaven through humanity. And so Jesus had to be incarnate. He had to take on flesh. He had to become one of us. And he was one of us, but he was 100% God at the time as well. And so he lives 33 years in, in Israel or Palestine and he, and he grows as a human. He learns how to be a human. And then he has a few years at the end of his life where he goes into into ministry. And he's the son of, of nobodies, Joseph and Mary. They're culturally insignificant at that time, but they're historically significant. But they're just people. 
and they raise him. And as the story goes, he develops into adulthood and he, and he, he, he builds this following of believers and, and then they carry on and, fi- and he, he, he gets killed by the Roman Empire and the Jews and then he rises to life and he goes to heaven three days later and then 50 days later at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes down and, and just absolutely saturates the people there and then the Christians are then the vehicle for peace. You're the vehicle for peace. I'm the vehicle for peace. So when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, we are the vehicle for peace. Other people can receive peace from God through us. They can receive it directly from God, but they can receive it through us as well. Is anyone excited about that? And he doesn't carry a sword, but he does miracles. And he doesn't proclaim anything apart from being the Son of Man and being God. But he's quite meek and mild and he, and, he, and he just lives a normal human life with a few cool miracles and some, and some teachings as well to point us to heaven and that's really cool he's peaceful in a chaotic world the prince of peace but most importantly, he, in, the, in the sense of what I'm talking about this morning, he displays the nature of God. And we get a glimpse of God because of how Jesus modelled that in human form. And so he comes and he shows that the, there's a divine nature. An attribute of God is peace. So an attribute is something that is, forms part of someone's nature or character. My attribute, I'm not that tall. You can say, Andrew is not tall. That is an attribute. I'm five foot, not much. God is peace. God is peace. He's not a little bit of peace. He can't be the opposite of peace. He is always totally, absolutely peace. It is part of his nature. It is part of who he is. He is totally peaceful. And just even though the world can be chaotic or we can feel chaotic inside of us, It doesn't change the fact that God is totally peaceful. And so when the Spirit of God comes over us, inside of us, lives through us, we then have that attribute of peace if we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. But it doesn't mean that life won't be chaotic. Chaotic. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things. This is Jesus saying, Jesus speaking, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not might have trouble, you will have trouble. Sorry. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Not I'm about to overcome the world, not I will eventually overcome the world, not I will I'll do my bit. No, I have overcome the world. You know, tea commercials can teach us about peace. That's right, tea. Cups of tea. Cups of tea. Let me tell you, every single television commercial about tea is the same. It's the same. If you are the marketing manager of Lipton, you've got an absolutely easy job because every tea commercial is the same. And this is what happens. It's a mum and she's in her kitchen, and she's got a cup of tea, and for one moment, she's got it, and she lifts it up with two hands. Not one hand, I don't know why, it's always two hands, and she just holds it like this. She closes her eyes, and she takes a sip. And then she does this. And that's her moment of peace. 
And then in the background, the kids are jumping off the lounges and they're chucking toys at each other. And then there's just chaos and the toddler's got a red crayon, always a red crayon, and they're drawing on the walls. And then the dog comes in covered in mud and it's not a little, it's not a little thing. It's just a big fluffy thing. It's Muffin McClay like a bundle of hay and he's covered in mud and it just goes tearing through the house and she's just there on the kitchen counter. Oh, life's good with some Earl Grey. And, and she just gets this moment of peace. And there's a little bit of truth in that. I get what the marketers are trying to say, and it's fantastic. And if you get peace through a cup of English breakfast, then good for you. But that kind of paints a picture of what Jesus is saying in John 16:33. that despite the chaos in the background, that all goes blurry. When you do receive the peace of God and you are engaged in that and you are receiving that, nothing else matters in that moment. The mess and chaos of life can go on. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we can receive that peace. We may not understand it though. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Doesn't mean that you've got to figure it all out in the background. Just means that you're going to be okay with operating with it. And we believe in miracles. We believe Jesus can remove us from circumstances and he can heal and he can change people and he can make life better. But he actually says just to take heart. I've overcome the world. You will have troubles. And it is okay if Jesus is there, if we're walking in the light of that. Our world needs peace, peace without confusion. So how do we get it? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. He says, I'll, I'll leave the Holy Spirit with you. When I'm gone, I will leave the Holy Spirit with you. And one of the, the fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to hold up nine fingers with the microphone. One of the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace. Oh, a bit of that from the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's so good, a bit of peace. Jesus says in John 14.27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. That is clear, that's a promise, that's absolute. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, there's nothing spooky about this when we allow the Holy Spirit to come into us. It's a recentering of our soul. It's a recentering of our spirit. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Surpasses all understanding. Only once in my life have I had the peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. Once. I've had many, many, many moments where I've asked God for peace and He's given me that peace. But that extra special peace, that peace that passes, surpasses all understanding, I've had it once. When I was a, a child, my father was, was diagnosed terminally ill and he was given two to four years to live by the doctor. 
We're, we're young kids and, and so we're, we're believers. We believe in the healing, healing power and nature of Jesus Christ. And so we, we start praying and, and, we, and we do so for many years and, 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 and he slowly gets sicker. Sicker? More sick. Anyway, um, sick. He gets more sick. More sick. Thank you. Thank you very much. He gets more sick. And, and, and we go to healing services and we get different pastors to pray over him. And, 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 and 10 years later, he passes away. He goes to glory. He's a, he's a, he's a Christian man. He's Bible-believing. He's Jesus-serving and loving. So I believe that one day I will go and see him in heaven when I pass from this earth, hopefully many decades from now. And there's this moment whereby I'm lying in bed on the morning that he dies. My mum and my brother come into my bedroom, 6 a.m., and they've got that look on their face. You know that look? It's like, oh, whatever they're just about to say, it's not going to be good. And I kind of knew it was coming. But they said, Dad died overnight. I'm lying in my bed, and I just get this whole sense, like all through my body, of completeness. Like, Like it's just everything's okay but I've just heard that my father has died and so I just for whatever reason I don't know but I realised after the fact that when they told me and when I felt the presence of the Lord over me I smiled who does that when someone dies only the peace that surpasses all understanding it's the only time in my life that I've ever had it and apparently I needed it and I grieved like there's other times I still cry I still miss him but in that moment I just got this beautiful picture of heaven that my dad is in glory and that and then everything is okay peace because he believed in the prince of peace and so as as we as we move move out of the service this morning I want to give an invitation we're going to have the prayer team over here right now I don't know if we're going into worship or if we're going into announcements announcements we're going to have the prayer team right here and if anyone either wants to a give their life to the Lord to the Prince of Peace who promises that my peace I leave you my peace I will give you then you can freely come right here and the prayer team will usher you into that peace or if you are a Christian and you just need a touch of heaven right this morning, you need heaven to open up and for peace to come down and for the Prince of Peace just to wrap you in his arms, you get to do that any time in your life, but especially this morning, you can do that with the prayer team over here. And it is a beautiful invitation to take up. And that's all it is. It's an invitation. Nothing spooky, nothing weird. It's just an invitation for us to be made right, for our spirits to be realigned in the presence of God, to walk in His light. Father God, we just thank You so much that it doesn't matter what we've done, who we are, where we're at in our journey with, with Christ, with through the Holy Spirit. We just thank You, Lord, that Your grace allows us to come into Your courts and to be in your presence. And part of your presence is your nature, is that peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, for those that need it, I pray specifically this morning that you will reach into their soul and just give them a glimpse of heaven through the peace that you promise us, through the Prince of Peace, Jesus. We ask this in your mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. 
and thanks again for listening. 